Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Crazy Cool Family podcast people, do you want to be... The most amazing family you could be. The most amazing parents you can be. The most crazy cool family-parents you can be. We have this amazing resource we call Basecamp. What is Basecamp? Basecamp is more than a podcast. It's more than a YouTube video. It's more than a Facebook post. It's more a mem- than a website. Yes. It's more, more, more. It's, it's a <laughs> membership site. It's actually an invitation for you as parents to come in and learn and learn from our 30 plus years of experience when it comes to parenting. It's filled with all sorts of videos about all the things that you need to or you could learn about how to be a crazy cool family. So all you have to do, it's so easy to sign up. It's free. And that's a really good price. and, And you have access. Yeah. You have access to all of our content. Every day, 24-7, on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop. All you got to do is go to Basecamp.CrazyCoolFamily.com. That is Basecamp.CrazyCoolFamily.com. Don't forget the dots, dot, dot. And it takes two minutes to sign up, and you'll start getting our weekly emails, our weekly Basecamp newsletter emails, as well as have access to all of our courses. You can do it in your small groups. You can do it individually. You can do it with your spouse. Basecamp is the way to learn to be a crazy cool parent. So come on in. Come be a member for free. Yep. We can't wait to connect with you. Hey, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. Don and Suzanne here, and we are in our culture series. We've been going over encouragement. Um, the power of encouragement. Doesn't that sound powerful? So powerful. And then today, <laughs> we're going to put another concept, another pillar of culture in your brain, and that is to create a safe haven. We also call it sometimes just safety. And then parents get confused and they think we're talking about physical safety, but we're not. We're talking about emotional, relational safety. Because you know That's us, good. everything's yeah, about relationship. Relational. We're talking about relational safety, mm-hmm. where you create an environment in your home, a culture where your kids want to talk to you. Right. And so uh, just that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to have some super practical ways to talk about it. But let us remind you, we're ta- in, in this series, we're talking about the four pillars of culture, which are the power of encouragement, safe haven, relational discipline, and unity. So those are to come. But once again, we're going to focus on the safe haven. Yes. And we remind you too on every podcast in this series that we have four declarations. And those four declarations related to those four pillars are to encourage. How do we encourage, Suzanne? Extravagantly. Isn't that a fabulous (laughs) word? Extravagantly. I love the way she says that. And I knew she'd do that. So I had had to tear up for that. But we also correct. How do we do that? Oh, so carefully. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're we're cracking ourselves up. Yeah, we are. Sorry. 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 Bear with us here, but we are. So also the other declaration, the one we'll talk about today is become a listener. And we, we say become a listener and, but really it's become a listener instead of a lecturer. Right. That we can let it, can we add a little phrase to that? Because, oh my goodness, don't we lecture. Mm-hmm. And if we can avoid the lecture, but really those three words are really the, the, the key is to become a listener. And so, um, 
we'll talk more about that today. But then also um, that we want to move from parent control to self-control. That's and about th- the relational discipline. Yeah. And then to celebrate differences and establish family values. Connected uh, we, to unity. You're going to love it when we get to unity. Mm-hmm. It is a just a game changer concept that you're going to just so love. But not today. That's not today. We're going to do Safe Haven. So, um, you know, just tell us, give us your thoughts, Suzanne, on you're such a good listener. And I've learned so much from you in how to listen and how to draw people out. So you're more the expert on this than I am. Give us a summary of listening. What would you say is is relevant to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we just, and so just as you're creating an environment, you want your environment to be a place where your children feel listened to. And I remember my mom was so good at this. Anytime I came in from school or any kind of event, she was, she was there, you know, ready to, ready to listen. And she wasn't the kind of mom that had a bunch of questions. Well, where'd you go? Well, what'd you do? Well, what'd you wear? Well, what'd you eat? She didn't do that. She just kind of let me unload and share it all. And so I wanted to mimic that with our family, with our kids. And so, you know, when it comes to listening, it's... (laughs) The trick to listening, and it's so simple, is to talk less. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say is to listen. <laughs> is to, you know, and you know, you've heard it, you know, we've got one mouth and two ears. So, li- you know, use your ears twice as much as you use, use your mouth. And so I think a lot of the times as parents, because we're constantly giving instructions and directions and, and trying to get the boat moving, whether it's out the door or to the meal or into bed or whatever, we use a lot of our words instead of letting the situation play out and listening to your kids or even saying, well, what should we do now? What should we do yeah. now? Can I give you a scripture that is just so convicting? So if you don't want to be convicted, just kind of turn it down for a minute and come <laughs> back. But I mean, James 1.19 says, be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. If we could do those three things, if we could be quick to listen, slow to speak and, and not slow, like we speak slow, <laughs> but you, but speaking, just waiting to speak and, and speaking second, you know, it's just, that's what I think I do so often as a, I know what they're going to say. And so I want to just get up to the, I want to jump in. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Fill in the words. Yes. And so, and and the words slow to speak. Uh, I don't really don't have a big issue with anger necessarily. I think it's come, I've come a long way in that area, but I still just being slow to speak is probably one of the toughest things I do every day. And I think a lot of the times with parents, we, um, we don't mean to, but we really don't value what our kids have to say, especially our little kids, because I mean, let's face it, it's not very interesting. You know, when they're talking about their Barbies or their Legos or whatever the story it is that they're sharing with us, it's not very interesting. But just know that when we listen to them when they're little, when they tell us all those things about their Barbies and their Legos, they're practicing interacting with us. They're trying to see if if we're going to listen, if we're going to pay attention. Yes, are we safe? Can they share their most valuable things and it... Two, three, four, five, their most valuable things are their dollies and their Legos. Yeah. And so we're going to talk the rest of this podcast over kind of what we call littles, middles, and bigs. And so... Because reality is we listen to each of our children in the different stages of their life at radically different levels. I mean, if you've you've got a little kid and a big kid, then you know that your little kid talks nonstop and your big kid doesn't talk near as much as you want them to. Yep. 
And so uh, two things before we dive into all that, we'll, we'll spend some time with littles, times with middles, times with bigs. Two things. One of them is, is just to make sure that we understand that you, that you leave here with what a safe haven is. And it's just an environment. We talk about culture. You want to create an, a safe environment where your children can talk to you at any age about anything they want. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up about anything. It's huge. So not only being available is part of it, but anything that they've got going on, that they're not afraid to tell you that they've messed up because right. reality is children mess up. That's where we learn. I mean, that's and they the, mess up when they're two and they mess up when they're 13 yes. and they mess up when they're 25. Yes. You know? And they mess up when they're my age. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we just do, we just mess up yeah. and we want to have that person that we can tell that to. And when our kids are little, we really want that person to be us their parent yeah and so then just defining littles middles and bigs littles we call from birth to about kindergarten so you know when they're in the toddler years if you will and and they're learning to learning a lot about life uh, middles we look at grade school and so you know maybe kindergarten through fifth or sixth grade and then uh, bigs are middle school and high school and and that's really got different you know middle school and high school can be different too we'll talk about that a little bit but but when you think about littles middles and bigs um and one of the keys we do that is is because when they get to be 12 13 years old they're really starting to move into adulthood and they really are starting to um to ask more questions it's different so but we, that's that's ahead of that's i'm getting ahead so <laughs> so let's go to let's go to littles and um I love what you, Suzanne's got this uh, statement that she said to so many parents, and that is, and it, if you listen to them when they're five, they'll talk to you when they're 15. And, and so obviously those ages don't matter. Right. If you listen to them when they're little, they'll talk to you when you're big. But the point is that when you've got your five-year-old, what they're saying to you, once again, you don't really care about. But the 15-year-old, you're desperate to know about what's going on in their lives. You know, what boys or girls they like, what, what they're even eating in the cafeteria, what their teacher did, what drama's going on in the locker room. I mean, you want to know what's going on in their little lives because you want to be able to speak into it. And that's one of the beautiful things about safe haven is when you build that safe haven, when you start when they're little, then you've created space that all they know is that mom listens to me, is dad tries to understand me. Dad wants to know what's going on in my life. Not because he wants to get onto me, but because he just wants to know. I love the way you said that. You said mom listens, but dad tries to understand. <laughs> which is, if you, I didn't want to say listen yeah, again. Well, if you have four daughters like I had, you can relate dads to trying to understand because, <laughs> oh my goodness, they're just, you know, I remember like as an example of this when in the littles, so Macy's our third daughter, and she actually works for us at Crazy Cool Family. Does an awesome job. All Shout the, out to Macy! All, all, all the all the all the back stuff that we do with the podcast and social media. She oh is yeah, better. if you're being communicated with, it's by Macy. Uh, yes, and so, but Macy's always been a very emotional girl, and even when she was little and very expressive. So she's a worship leader, and she just does all these things that are. So when Macy was a little girl, before she could ever talk she would tell us these stories. Oh, yes. And, and and she was like a year and a half, so not really able to communicate at all. So, yeah, not using vocabulary words like nouns and verbs that you would understand. Yes, but <laughs> but but the story had plot. Oh, it yeah. had characters. It had all these Hand things. Motions. Yes, and she was so... <laughs> and she would... And she would just... It sounded like just a foreign language, but, um, but she would get... And, and all you could do was just sit there and go... Really? Wow, that's crazy. And she she talked like, 
And again, she's a year and a half or two years old, something like that. She talked like she was communicating to you, like in a very clear voice. Like you should totally understand her. But it was so funny because we would just have to just sit there and listen. And the stories would last minutes. I mean, they weren't like they were 30 seconds. Right, right. Well, and I would even like to take it back a little bit and say one of the things that I love to do with even my newborns and my infants is when they start doing their babbling to stop and listen to them and, you know, look at them and, and, and talk back, really, what else? And then let them babble, 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 babble. Yeah. And then just respond with, oh my goodness, tell yeah. me more. And let them babble, 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 babble. Because even then you're giving them that, you're giving them the eye contact. You're letting them know face to face that you're paying attention yeah. to them and you're letting them share what's going on. <laughs> you know, Madeline's youngest daughter, who's about six months. Yeah. She's uh, Juliet. She all she says right now is ba 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 ba. But it could be bed, it could be bye, it could be bad. I mean, it could be anything starting with a B. And so all I have to do is pick her up and go, "Hey, Juliet, ba ba ba," and then she just starts to say it herself. And um, and it's just so fun to watch her just in expressionful and everything. To you know, there's actually we need to put the link in the in the um, uh, notes. Uh, there's remember that YouTube video where the lady is that they literally do a YouTube video and all they do it's it's is the lady is uh, sitting across from her baby in a high chair and the lady uh, the baby is maybe um, several months old maybe Juliet's age right now and so the mom is is um, giving her expression and talking to her and being animated oh that's great you know just kind of have an interaction with her and then uh, all the mom does is just take away her expression and look at her stoically. And it's crazy within like 30 seconds. You can YouTube it. We'll get you the link to it. But I mean, if you look, you know, mom and baby or whatever, I don't know. What, but it, literally what will happen is the baby starts to freak out. The baby starts to be agitated. The baby starts all and the mom's not doing anything mean to her. Just took away the expression. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so... Uh, indicative of how our children want our response to them. Well, and and that, it's just natural. I'm so glad that you brought that up because listening is not just with our ears. I mean, it's with our attention, but it's not with our half attention. It's with our full attention. And I see so many times today, it wasn't something I struggled with because the technology wasn't there. I didn't have a cell phone when I had little kids. And I feel for all the moms out there that have that constant distraction in their hand. And I see fathers come home. They've been away for at work all day long and they've got their cell phone in their hand and they're not giving their kids any attention. And I would say when it comes to littles, attention and listening are the same. They go hand in hand. If you're, if you're paying attention to your child, if you've given them their full attention, then they feel like they're being listened to. If you're getting down on their level and you're looking at them eye to eye, they feel like they're being listened to. If you're interacting and you're playing with them and you're not distracted, they feel like they're being listened to. That's what listen to at a little kid looks like is your full attention and interacting with them. Yeah. Don't be distracted. Yeah. Don't be distracted. Exactly. Yeah. And the cool thing about it is is that when you do that as a parent, that means you can also have the right to say, I can't listen to you right now. And so, uh, you know, I was talking to a lady today at a church we were visiting. Do you remember in Growing Kids God's Way, the, 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 the yes, interrupt yes, rule? Yes. And so what would happen is uh, the parents, they were taught in this class we taught many years ago, um, that 
when your child, instead of letting your child come up and say, mom, 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 right. mom, 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 that you would literally teach the child to come and put their hand on your leg and you would then put your hand over their hand to say, okay, I've acknowledged you. So then you could finish your statement with the parent or whoever the person you're talking to, and then you could address them and give them your full attention. Well, what was funny was when I was telling the lady today is everybody in our church learned the interrupt rule. Right. So after church, you would see all these kids <laughs> right up to their moms and touching their... Can I go play yes. with you? Yeah. And so, um, but that's a way that, you know, you, just because parents, you don't have to have your kids dominate you. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, that's not part of safe haven where you... you because you're listening to your child and because they're giving you, because you're giving them attention does not mean that they have full access to you, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's not it at all. Create your boundaries, create your systems, create something that says mommy's mommy's busy right now, but I'll talk to you in a minute. Or I've got whatever you need to say. It's the situation that's happening to you. You can, we give you permission (laughs) to not have to stop what you're doing and, and, and empower the child not to have to have access to you right then. But what we want you to hear is, is that many parents do that without ever listening to their kids. Exactly. And so, but you earn the right almost to get the, inter- to like a lot of parents will tell us that is, oh my goodness, as soon as I get on the phone, right. all my kids run to me. Okay. That's okay to say to your child, I'm not going to listen to you right now. I would love to listen to you when I get off the phone. I will give you my full attention. And when we start to promise right. that, yeah, when ahead. we start to promise that to them and deliver on it, then it actually makes them more likely to not interrupt us. Right. And so that, and so you actually get the best of all worlds. Now, again, you can over, you can do it too much and your kid thinks they have your attention all the time. It's great to set those boundaries, but sometimes I don't think we realize that we earn the right by listening to them. So good. And one last thing before we wrap up littles is, have you ever had your child yell at you? And like, mommy, can I have a snack? 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 And so then the mom's like, why are you yelling at me? (laughs) (laughs) I watch it all the time. Like the, like I watch it all the time with the grandbabies right now. But I remember as a young mom, I remember like I was in my head. I was thinking about something else. I wasn't thinking about them. I mean, I'm in the room with them. Isn't that enough? You know, (laughs) and not hearing them. And so being able to say to them, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Did you already ask me for a snack and I didn't hear you? I'm sorry. I was thinking about something else. Next time, can you come up and like touch me? You know, <laughs> can you say mommy? You know, or even if you whispered, you know, then I would notice because sometimes I'm sorry, but we tune their little voices out, right? right I mean, right. we don't, we don't, it sounds like wah, 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 wah in the back of our mind. And so we just want to encourage you to intentionally choose to listen to them. And then if, if there's a time that you're not listening to them, then apologize that you weren't listening and then ask them to repeat it again. But don't yeah. get mad at them because they're yelling at you. They're just trying to get your attention. Well, and, you know, sometimes we see that the child immediately yells or throws a, a bad sound or whatever. That's we've, okay. We've trained them to do that yeah. because they don't trust us to listen to them initially. Yeah. So if you will backtrack a little bit and practice listening intentionally more on the front end and go ahead and, you know, discipline that sound, we don't make that sound. We're going to wash that sound out. We're going to, you know, whatever needs to happen to get rid of that sound. But you train them to make it because that gets your attention, not the sweet little mommy. Can I have a snack? Yeah, It's so funny because, you know, even parents say, I have to yell at my kids to get their attention. The child feels the same way. Oh, for sure. But if you create this listening environment, and you know, that's another thing, just as we leave littles, and even with middles, as we go into the middles, 
when you listen, then you can in demand being listened to. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, so often with our children, I will say, and this is a, this is a, 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 a tangent for a minute, but you know, you're not going to yell at me because I don't yell at you. Right. I, I don't have the right to yell at you. You don't have the right to yell at me. It also works with listening. You know what? When you come to me and ask me a question, I'm listening to you. Okay. When I come to you and I want to talk to you about it, I expect, I expect the same respect that I want to give you. So mm-hmm. when we listen, it opens up doors. So let's start talking about the middles because they can understand that more. Right. You know, the third grader can say, you know, hey, you know, because so often our kids tune us out. Let's say we come up to them and they're watching a show or they're on their game or whatever, and they don't want to talk to us. That can even go into the bigs. And you say, you know what? And we or need- they don't want to hear what we have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so we come up to them and we say, okay, now we need to honor them and say, you know, hey, when you finish that, I mean, we can't just come in and barge in and demand. But I mean, you can say, hey, I have an expectation that when I say something, you're going to listen to me. But I first in giving that example to the to the uh, to the grade schooler mm-hmm. and say, hey, when you come to me and want to tell me something, then I'm going to listen to you as well. And so just a huge trick. And we've already mentioned it with a little but eye contact is a connection and so if we walk through the room and we we let's say the child's on the tv and we walk through the room and we say hey finish this game so we can fill in the blank go to dinner do the dishes whatever um you walked through the room in motion you didn't stop what you were doing you didn't extend respect to the child the child didn't hear you because they were involved in the game they're playing but they're they're not they're, they're you're walking through the room talking they have no idea you're talking to them and so know and use that eye connection as a powerful tool you take as parents if we will take time and connect with our kids through eye contact hey i want you to finish this game so that we can then do you hear me do you understand then now you've got a connection with them and so eye contact is so important and so valuable and it's eyes are the window to the soul it connects it's vulnerable it's a it's powerful and so you will know what your child's thinking and doing by looking into their little eyes and they will trust you and believe you by looking into your eyes well, if you listen to our podcast a couple of weeks ago we talked about with pastor john stickle about identity and so can I tell you, parents, we, and people, a lot of people ask, how do you establish identity in your kids? How do, you, how do they feel loved? How do they feel cared for as, as an earthly father or mother to their child? Man, when you make eye contact with your child, it says you're valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, remember what, they, what mm-hmm. God said to Jesus, this is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. And we say, man, your kids should believe that about you. Well, when you make eye contact and you say, I am going to look in your eyes and I'm looking into your soul and I want to hear you, you establish, you establish worth in their eyes. And, 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 you know, it happens at the littles, but it particularly happens with these middles because they're searching. Now they're starting to search for who they are. They're starting to believe things. They're starting to have opinions on things. And so, um, man, what a great thing, you know? And so, um, one of the principles that we talk about with that is that, um, and it relates to the eye contact. It relates to going deeper is that we understand before we instruct. So that's a great way. People say, how do I listen? Well, first of all, there's even the, the Stephen Covey wrote the book, seven habits of highly effective people. And one of the things his chapter said, it says, seek first to understand and then to be understood. 
Yeah, that's good. And so if you can have that principle in your parenting, then when you go into the situation with your child, you're going to look to ask questions first, which is another key of having a safe haven is that you are, you learn to ask and we call this, and this is a term I want everybody to, if you're, unless you're in your car, you can write it there. <laughs> we want you to ask inquisitive questions and not accusatory questions. Yeah, and so the way I, the way I describe that is be curious. Instead of, um, you know, where did you go? Where did you go? I mean, do you hear the tone? I'm using the exact same words, but the motive behind it is accusatory. Like, where'd you go? You did, you went, you went somewhere bad versus where did you go? Tell me, I'm dying to know. You know, I want to hear all about your experience. Even when you know they've done something wrong, it's really good to go in with curious, inquisitive questions. Because reality is you assume you know what they've done is wrong because somebody else has told you, but they haven't told you. And so you still don't know what it is they did wrong from their perspective. I don't know and how- you don't know what it is that motivated them to do that. And so there still is always space for curiosity when it comes to being safe with your kids. I can tell you numerous times as a parent, in raising seven kids and in talking to a lot of parents too, but I'm just going to talk about my own personal situation that I have walked into a situation and lectured my way into being wrong. (laughs) And so because that's beautiful, I mean, that's awful, but that's well, well, because I I assumed that certain things had happened. Right. And I lectured into it only to find out that I had misinterpreted the situation and, or in, in as I got better at it, I would think I knew what was going on, but I would ask questions and sometimes find out I was right in my assumptions many times because but oftentimes would find out and, and sometimes it's like I found out the action was wrong, but the motive was good, that they had good intentions. And, and you know, we talk about that with our um, with parenting. Many times we do good thing. We do things that are harmful in our parenting, but with good intentions. Right. We want to, we, we, we lecture our kids because we want them to know this, but it's actually the lecture is causing more harm than good or whatever. I think oftentimes we find that, because you're not only searching for what the action is, you're searching for what the motive is. Right. And why did they do it? Because then you can help change the belief. You can help change the, the core behind it. And many times they're, they have, it's, it may be twisted logic, Mm -hmm. But they have a logic that it was really, well, I thought if I did this, it would turn out okay. Well, you still pushed your brother down the stairs, you know, (laughs) that's not good. You got the toy, (laughs) which is what you wanted, but. Well, or, you know, I thought I was going to save them, but I wound up pushing them or, you know, whatever it is that there's. And so we just explore because what we, as we get to discipline later, what we'll tell you is you always have your discipline hammer in your pocket. You can always pull it out and do it, but many times we pull it out too soon, and therefore we uh, we we are we may be right or wrong, but we we are heavy-handed in what we do, and we're not listening. Yeah. So the um, Proverbs twenty-five: the purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. That goes back to the understanding. That's what our goal is, is to draw our kids out, to understand that's how you're safe, is using those curious, inquisitive questions to draw them out. That's what our goal is. What if we went 
instead of going after their behavior and how they performed or how they um, acted, what if we went after their, what if we went after how they're seeing things? What if we went after understanding what they're believing and where they're coming from? Because that's what we want to rearrange. I don't care about the behavior one bit. I care about what they believe because if I can get to what they believe, then I can rearrange anything that comes out, which is their behavior. Well, and as we transition into bigs, um, this concept will continue to be very relevant. And that is, we, instead of telling them the right conclusion, we want to lead them in their heart to tell us the right conclusion. I mean, is that, doesn't that work for you? I mean, I know it works for me. If I get to discover it myself, I have ownership, and therefore I want to do it. But it, like... if. <laughs> Like everybody tells me, walking's good, Suzanne. You need to walk. You need to walk. It's good for your health. It's good for you. And I can hear it all day long. But when I go out and do it and I feel good, then it's like, oh, walking's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, um, as we move into bigs, that becomes so much more important because they are moving. There's a natural and healthy tendency towards independence. They are becoming more independent as people. And we hope they're becoming more interdependent with God. Yes. And I want to just say yes and amen. I mean, we want that. That's the goal. I mean, when they were born, they were fully dependent on us. And the goal is to have them fully independent. We want them out in the world paying their own taxes, you know, paying their own car payments, right, Don? Paying their own phone bill. I mean, that's what we want for them. And so, so many times we see parents, those, those teenagers are in their homes and they start clasping down and they start controlling. And we're like, no, no, back up. Wait, no, you want to empower and equip. You want them to be as independent, you know, want them functioning citizens of the country. What if, okay, parents of teenagers or upcoming teenagers, what if you just had fun with your teenagers throughout? What if you, what if it was a pleasant, you know, we, we so dread the teenage years. We've had seven and we've enjoyed every one of them. Have there been issues? Absolutely. But part of that, the part of the way you enjoy your teenagers is you create a safe haven mm-hmm. and you create an environment where the, the, the trust is there where, um, that and, and we think about no, it's their fault. They're not talking to us because they're doing bad things. But actually, what's happened is is parents create the the untrusting environment in their kids because they don't listen and because we do lecture too much and because we don't and we freak out. You know how many? I don't know how many kids we've talked to. Kids come over to our house and they're like, "Wow, you guys talk about everything here." You know, we, I would never, well, you know, they tell us something and say, did you tell your parents that? Oh no, I would never tell my parents that the teenager says, why? Cause they will freak out. That's yeah. the word they always use or two words, you know, that they will freak out and, and, and they're like, what does that mean? Well, they'll take away my cell phone for a month and they, these, all these consequences will react. They're punished. They'll, yes. Yeah. And so often that, you know, in, in our culture, we would say, man, that's not a very good thing that you did there. What do you think should be the consequences of that? And, and often they would say, well, I should get this. We're like, wow, that's way too much. You know, <laughs> hey, let's relax a little bit. I mean, you know, if they, and, and because if you'll talk through them and then they, because so often when they've done something wrong, they already know it. And, and, and if you want, if you can talk to them and about that's the it, goal is we want them to know it. We're, we don't want to be the ones that are going to constantly tell them you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. We need them to know 
this was wrong and I should not do it. Not this is wrong and I'm going to get caught and I'm going to get in trouble, but no, this is wrong. So therefore I'm not going to do it. That's what we're going after is that, that, that behavior on the front end. And so as parents, we have to believe that our kids are, believe that our kids are not going to make mistakes while loving them and believing that they will make mistakes. <laughs> Wait a minute, you need to explain that. I know. And so it's super tricky, but it's like, okay, just channel your inner teenager. Did you mess up? Did you make mistakes? Did you do stupid things? Yeah, you did. You want to know why we did? Because our brains aren't fully functioned. I mean, we it's almost like we're two-year-olds all over again. We need the sleep of a two-year-old. We need the food and the snacks of a two-year-old. We re- overreact. We dramatize. We throw fits like two-year-olds when we're teenagers because our brain is developing at the same rate. This, as many synopsis are being connected at the same rate as when they were when they were two. And so knowing that, that that's what's happening, then you can expect your child to make mistakes. But what happens is so many times as parents, we assume our child is out there messing up. We, 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 we assign them negative motive. We say you're, you're, you know, no, you can't go there because you're going to make bad choices. And so knowing that they're going to make mistakes, allowing them to make mistakes, believing that they're not going to make mistakes, but then seeing that when they do make mistakes, you're there for them. That's what being safe is all about. So did I explain it enough? I think so. Let me ask you a question <laughs> with this. So let me ask you a question. That's a corollary to what you just were saying. Um, why do you think, I think every parent would say, I shouldn't freak out. I should listen more. You know, I want my kid. We never hear parents say, Oh, I don't care if my kid trusts me or not. Now we do hear some parents say to this topic, well, I don't need to be friends with my kid. I need to be their parent. And it's almost like that gives you permission to be an ogre, you know, and it's <laughs> like, jerk. no, but you know, here's what I tell those parents. Is I say, you know, when, when Jesus talked to his disciples, which we all think were pretty young guys, um, he said, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. And that it never diminished Jesus's authority with these teenagers, but he, he was still their authority but he treated them, he discipled them, mm-hmm. he challenged them, he did all those things, but he also communicated with them. Yeah. And so I think that's what we mean when we say friends. But So here's my question to you, Suzanne, is why do you think, I think most parents would say, I want my kids to trust me, mm-hmm. I want my kids to talk to me, I want to help them, I be, you know, and I want to believe in them. Yet most parents are not very good listeners and most parents are freak out a lot. And so why do you think that happens? Why do you think parents do, we want to do this, but we do this, the other? Yeah, I think the main culprit is fear. We're, we're afraid. We're afraid our kid's going to mess up. We're afraid our kid's going to make us look bad. We're afraid our kid's going to fail and, and hurt them or mess themselves up. And so I, I think that in, in most parenting, I think the the culprit to connection, the thing that stops us from connecting with our kid is fear. Um, and you want to know what's cool is the scriptures say perfect love casts out fear. And so if we will step in and perfectly love our children in their mess, in whatever it is that they failed at and whatever mistake it is, and we don't give any space for fear whatsoever, then we'll actually not only connect with them, but we'll get to that belief system we're talking about. We'll create a safe place. We'll build that trust. We'll do all the things that we want to do 
at, through love, you know, out of love. So, and, and that, I'm not saying don't have consequences yeah. when they mess up. You've got to do that. And yes, there is, is always a place for discipline and boundaries must be in place. So I'm not saying do that, but I'm not saying alienate your child with those things either. Connect with them and then use those things. Yeah, so which leads us back to James 1, which says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So right. part of loving your child is to, part of being a listening, safe haven parent is your kids, if if you're safe, they're going to come to you with things that you want to freak out about. Yes, and yes, and, and yay for you when yeah. they do, and yeah. just don't freak out about it. And just once again, channel your inner teenager and the stupid things that you did, and how did you want to be responded to? How did you want your parents to receive you and help you out of the mess that you just made? Don tells a story of when he wrecked his Camaro and mm. you were just sick about it, right? And yeah, how did I, your dad respond? Well, so I was, uh, not only was I, it was my Camaro, it was a car that I really loved. And um, I, I, I came home. It was home. a sacrifice for your parents to get it both yeah. working. One's a teacher, one works. I mean, they just, it wasn't like they were rolling in the dough and they could provide this incredible vehicle for you. He was a third kid, two of them were in college. I mean. I, I drove, I had to drive with the wrecker home. And so, uh, so I pull up across, you know, uh, in, in the street with my car mangled, I mean, totaled and, um, and got out. And of course my parents had friends over. So there's like, you know, four, six people in the house I yeah. and, I, and I, <laughs> I walked in and I was like, you know, and I was really my dad, the one I was really worried about. And, um, and I said, you sometimes know, his anger would flare. He wasn't quite the person this do not yeah. anger. <laughs> and, and, uh, but I remember he just walked out and, and, and he just said, well, I'm glad you're not hurt. We can get another car. Yeah. And, um, and, and that sums it up. That's what we're talking about. It's, it's not the thing that happened. It's not the fill in the blank of what the kid did. It's I'm glad you're not hurt. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's safe haven. Yeah, it spoke volumes to me to just say that he, you know, it, it, the, the, the thing wasn't as important as the person. And, and so often the consequence, the incident, the embarrassment, the fear, it's not as important as the person. Yeah. And so when you uh, treat your, especially with bigs, you know, so often I, I just see parents a lot um, with all ages of kids, but let's talk about bigs, middles and bigs right now a lot, is they're talking to an adult and just as pleasant as they can be. <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden their kid comes up and they talk to them like they're a slave. Subpar. Yes. They're and not so, human. And, right. and, and, and instead, or that, you know, hey, don't you see I'm talking here? You know, I mean, it's just like, wow, would you say that to your friend? Would you say that to... And, and then they turn around and get mad when their child talks back to them the same way. But reality is they would be setting the example of how to interact with their child. So that's the only way their child knows how to interact. Rude. <laughs> and so it's okay, like we said, even with bigs to say, hey, I'm talking right now. I, I want to listen to you. It's just going to be... But but then following up with it, was just it's really just about... It's a discipline. It's a way of life to create a safe haven. You know, it, it happens over time. Suzanne says, if you listen to them when they're, and if you listen to them when they're five, they'll talk to you when they're 15. And you may say, hey, I haven't been listening. What do I do? 
guess what? It's redeemable. Oh, start. It's just, it's just redeemable. In fact, they'll think you're weird at first because you'll be like, who are you? And you know, what are you, why are you listening to me? But, and it won't work at first because they, you haven't built trust yet, right. but you know, over time. But you can even say, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't listen. I haven't been listening to you, but I've just, I really want to listen to you. I think it's important. Well, and even then, you know, so let's end with kind of, I want to say something before you end. Yeah, I no, go... I'm just saying, well, okay. go ahead. Okay. No, you're, no, you're, you're no. <laughs> well, it wasn't really an end, but it was a, <laughs> as we're ending, I want to bring us one point out, which is that um, often when you try to listen to especially older kids, it's, you will, you'll feel like you're failing a lot because you'll get the one word answers and you won't penetrate their heart and they won't want to share with you. And you'll think this isn't working. Mm-hmm. then as you do it, and, and it seems like it always comes at the most inconvenient times. Like when you t- want to go to bed. Yes. <laughs> or if you're busy, you know, but yeah. you'll get, as, as you keep doing it, all of a sudden they'll test you and they'll throw something out at you and see if you, well, I don't have time for that. Okay. I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. But you, but if, but my point is, is don't stop. It's, it's, they're still teenagers. They're still grade schoolers or whatever. They're, they're, they have their own preoccupations and sometimes they have their own issues. You know, oftentimes when Suzanne and I are talking, she'll, she might be upset about something. I think it's at me, but it's actually something else because, and they have the same issues like that. But so just keep at it because you never know when you're going to get the opportunity and then you jump on it. Yeah. One thing I want to say, but this is not the other thing I want to say. <laughs> exactly. now, I now have two things, but when you're, t- if you haven't built trust and you're starting back at square zero, then I encourage you to find something neutral, a neutral ground to talk about a sporting event, uh, you know, something that's not personal, something that's not about them because they, they might not be, they're not going to be ready to go vulnerable with you because the trust hasn't built up yet. Maybe they don't feel safe, but if you can do a give and take on a neutral subject, then they can see, Oh, wait a minute dad's teachable or mom's listening or, and then, then you can go into the more personal. Yeah. One of the things that's, uh, and then you'll get to your other things. Okay. 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 But one of the things is like, you know, one of the things Suzanne does a great job of is the kids will come to her and, and she'll say, well, what is this new app on your phone? You know, and, and then she'll get them to, she doesn't say, oh, you can't have that or, or this is a bad app or whatever. She's just like, Hey, what's going on with this app? You know, what is TikTok? or whatever it is. And, and, Oh mom, it's this, you know, and they'll kind of talk down to her a little bit. And she, she just takes it and like, well, what do you do with that? Well, and so, Oh, now it looks like you might be able to do that with that. Oh yeah, they can mom, those kids at school, they do that. And this happens. Well, what are you going to do about that? You know, and just getting them to talk about safe. That's a way to get them to talk about if they're an authority on the subject. And many of our kids are, cause they're watching oh, YouTube. And it's they're watching, world. Well, I mean, not just apps, but I mean, they know a lot about a lot yes, of things. Yes. And when you can let them be the expert, so often, you know, we try, well, I need to tell you all I need to know about, you know, the Republican party or the Democratic party <laughs> or whatever, or, you know, and they may ask the questions, but what if you just let them talk? Mm, what do you know? Yeah. About what they know and be the, and that's a way to build trust in them. All right. That's what's so your, good. what's your other thing? Okay. So this is what I was going to say way back when you were talking about friends and how parents don't want to be friends with their kids or they want to be. And then there's a tough line because you're not supposed to be friends with your kids. And you know, there's a, we could do a whole podcast just on that. This is the thought that I had. Okay. So what if we go ahead and said, you're right. Don't be friends with your kid, be parents, but start building a friendship with your kids. 
That's what we want because ideally the goal is when they are adults and they are bringing their babies over, your grandbabies to your house, you do want to be friends with them. But you don't start friends from zero and get to 100 quickly. Friendship is built along the way. And so I would say that you could be you could have a friendship with your 2-year-old by being nice and kind and polite and enjoying could, them. And enjoying them. You could have a friendship with your middle, you know, your middle-aged child when they get in the car and you ask them about their day and you comment and you laugh together. You can have a friendship when you're a teenager when you share what you did when you were their age and the experiences that you had and maybe the failures that you've had. And so what would it look like to build a friendship? Would you consider that safe? Would yeah. we put that in safe haven? That's okay. awesome. Okay, can I wrap up now? Yes, you may now totally wrap up. I'm going I'm to wrap, wrap up with a great <laughs> statement that I want you to, as we cast vision for a safe haven for you, as we end this, as we end this podcast, that, you know, remember our goal, our goal with our, with our kids is to create an environment, to create a culture where teenagers share with us and they make wise decisions on their own. Mm -hmm. So we want, we would love this environment when our teenager is 15, 16, 17, 18 that they're making wise decisions and coming back, mostly wise decisions, not that we can, they can't make mistakes, but they're making mostly wise decisions. And the conversations we have are them mostly success with some failures, but they're sharing with us because there's, you know, they're not worried about, I'm gonna bring home a couple of mistakes here and mom's gonna blast me for it. But we want them to, we wanna create a culture where the teenagers share with us and they make wise decisions on their own. That's what we're working for from the time they're two, the time they're a baby, to when they're five, to when they're eight. And it is a gradual opening. Um, and, um, and, and then you will have, that's when you can enjoy your teenagers. Because um, even if they're struggling with things, you can work through them with the struggles. And uh, because there's a trusting environment, we, you know, when, when there is this um, fear and when there is the break in the relationship, that's when parenting becomes really hard and we don't want that for you. So any final words before I wrap it up, I'm going to wrap it up with a safe haven is, um, you know, um, is where you build a listening environment and we would, and we're going to have, um, actually, um, we're going to be bringing on a, um, uh, some, some experts to talk to you about, you know, ways to overcome this. We're going to continue on with the listening as, as we move on the culture. And in, in the meantime, Thanks for being with us. And as always, parents, go be crazy. CrazyCoolFamily.com.